Aren't you glad to be here today? I'm glad to be here with you. Uh, we had the privilege to go to Mount Vernon, um, which is our region's um, Nazarene uh, school, and we went last night for homecoming, and just it was a really great thing. But I'm thrilled um, just to be with you this morning. And, and so before I, I get into um, the selfless series and the message, I just want to take a second and talk about something that we did last week. Um, I know that, that sometimes people travel and aren't here, um, and I want to update you on, on where we're at with Faith Promise. Last week um, was Faith Promise Sunday. If you are new to the Nazarene Church or new to our church, Faith Promise is a big deal in our church. Um, we, Faith Promise is the primary way that we fund missions. Um, in, through Faith Promise, we fund um, our world evangelism. We give to World Evangelism Fund, um, which, which is, is a lot of money that we give towards what the Nazarene Church is doing in missions throughout the world. Um, we also use the money from Faith Promise to um, supplement our mission trips that we go on um, and to, to supplement our local ministries and, and all of the missions things that we do. And so Faith Promise Sunday is a really big Sunday. And that was last week, if you missed it. Um, and so I just want to fill you in on where we're at. Um, I didn't say this last week. I actually, I'll, I'm going to be honest with you, I chose not to tell you what our goal was last week. Um, but I want you to know that our goal for Faith Promise is to, to have $100,000 pledged and given in this year. Um, that covers our World Evangelism Fund, it covers one or two mission trips, and it helps give money to our ministries. This is not money that comes to us to, to make us feel better about ourselves. This is money that goes straight out to missions, to serving our community and the world around us. And so our goal is $100,000, and the way that happens is we ask people to pledge, not just a one-time offering, but to pledge to say, God... I trust you, I have faith that you will provide if I give, and so we give, we make a pledge to give. You can give weekly, you can give monthly, you can give quarterly, you, you can give however you want, but, um, but if you didn't get an opportunity um, to give in faith promise last week, I would love for you to be a part of that. Our goal as a church, one of the goals is to, to have $100,000 that helps us care for all of um, the mission needs. But another goal, and this, this is the more important goal to me, is that every single one of us will be a part of faith promise. Because I believe that when we pledge our faith to God and we give, God blesses us and we grow closer to God. So I want to give you an update. Last week we had pledges of about $37,000 that came in. And so the good news is, if you have a lot of money that you're wanting to pledge today, there's still room for it. We're not at capacity. It's cool. Um, and no, I'm just kidding. But seriously, I want every single person in our church to be a part of Faith Promise. And so if you haven't pledged, um, I, I don't think we had cards in the bulletin. You can get one from the office or you can take a Connect card right in front of you, in the chair in front of you, the blue cards um, that we've already asked you to put your name and stuff on if you're new. But you could take one of those cards and you could just write, this year I pledge to give this amount towards Faith Promise. And you can take those and put them in the, in the back. If you look in the back by the two center doors, there are little black boxes on the wall and they've, they've got a slot there. You can put your Faith Promise pledge in there. But I would love for every single person to be a part of Faith Promise. I have been on, I think, eight um, mission trips globally. And then I've been on quite a few mission trips 
locally. And I want you to know, and we just heard from Greg about what God's doing um, through, and through global prayer initiative and through missions. Listen, I believe God is at work all over the world. And I want to be a part of it. And I hope you do too. So if you'll just please join with us and pledge towards Faith Promise. It's not about the number that you give, um, but, but I want everyone to be a part of it. Um, speaking of that, we're, we're talking about being selfless and living out God's generosity. Last week, Milton Gay was here. He's a missionary um, there in Central America and, and, um, and Mesoamerica, and, and he shared with us. Did you enjoy his energy? He was, he's fun. I've been on a, a one mission trip with him. He is a lot of fun to spend time with, and, and I noticed that he really liked to move around up here. One of the things they give me, I'm, I'm trying to stay still here, one of the things they give me a hard time about is that I move so much when I speak, because the camera operators, they have to keep up with me, and it's, it's like this all the time, and so... But Milton was doing that too, wasn't he? He was moving, and then, and then Bob, the translator, was just kind of staying there. And, and Milton later said, I was hoping that Bob would start moving with me. But, but man, I loved hearing from Milton. Um, and, and Milton shared from, from 2 Corinthians chapter 9, which is going to be our main guiding scripture through these next three weeks, so through these four weeks, including last week. And Pastor Adam texted me after after service last week, and, and he said, so I assume that since he just covered all of your material, you're going to change your plan, right? And I said, no, I can talk a long time about that scripture. It's good. I got plenty of material. And, and listen, I believe that talking about living out God's generosity, I believe that the scripture that Milton shared, I believe that, that God's, in God's word, it is very important that we learn to be generous. In fact, um, some statistics that I found from preaching today, this is a source, I didn't fact check these, I'm going to be honest, I didn't read through the whole Bible and fact check these, but I trust preaching today is a pretty good source of not fake news. Um, here are some statistics for you, just from scripture. And 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus taught had to do with money and possessions, 16 of the 38 parables. That's a lot of Jesus' teaching had to do with the way we handle money and possessions. In the Gospels, one out of every 10 verses deals with money and possessions. One out of every 10 verses. The Bible has about 500 verses about prayer. No offense, Greg. 500 verses about prayer, that's pretty good. It has a little less than 500 verses about faith, but guess how many there are about our possessions and our generosity? Over 2,000, over 2,000 um, verses about the way that we are generous and handle our money and possessions. So are you getting the point here? This is a big deal. And I don't get up here and preach a lot about, about generosity and about giving, but Jesus taught about giving a lot. Jesus taught about the way we handle our money and possessions a lot because it's a big deal. God knows that, that the way we handle the possessions that we have and the things that we're giving, the way that we view them is important to our spiritual walk, to our faith. And so that's why we're talking about being selfless and living out God's generosity because it's important. If we are going to be Christ-like, we have to learn to live out God's generosity. 
And so over the next few weeks, I want us to talk about what that looks like, what that means. Today, I want to focus on on one simple thing, one really important thing, probably the most important thing that that, that has to do with generosity, and that's this. It's your heart. The most important thing, the most important thing, the thing that God cares about most is not about your money or how much of it you give or what percentage. God cares about your heart. It all starts with your heart, with the way that you view God, with the way that you view your possessions and your money, your heart, what you believe, how you live. It's all about your heart. And so my goal in this series, I just want to be upfront with you. My goal is not to get more money for the church from you. My goal is that through this series, we will learn to be more like Jesus. And so we're learning to be selfless. One of the things I studied when I, when I was working through this series, um, I, I read a lot from um, John Piper. He's got a great website with a lot of great resources. And one of the things I came across I thought was really incredible. It's a really perfect um, capturing of, of our heart. And he said that there's, there's two ways that we can view God. And I think as we talk about this, you'll say, yeah, I think that's true. There's two ways that we can view God. Number one... We can view God as a taker. God, I have my possessions and God wants of my possessions and I have to give to God because God is a taker. That's one way to view God. The other way is God as giver. That God has given me everything that I have. That God is the source of everything I have. And so do we view God as taker? Or do we view God as giver? I want to look at some some biblical stories. I want to illustrate what these things look like. And I want you to really think about today. How do you view God? How do you view the possessions, the money that you have? How do you view your time? How do you view what you have? People. So, So number one, seeing God as taker. Seeing God as taker. People that see God as taker typically think about their possessions as theirs. They earned them. It's it's theirs. And and God wants them to give something, some of their possessions, so that they can get what they want or get where they want to go. Let me ask you a question. First, let me say this. We are very possessive about money, and, and this is a We're possessive about possessions, aren't we? Are you guys possessive about possessions? Can I say that a few more times? Probably not. Can you wake up? Come on, let's go. Wake up, come on, let's have some fun. Um, We're possessive about things. Have you ever had a lot of money in your hand? Let me ask you that question. Have you ever had, and this is a relative term, because for some of you, like for my kids, $20 is a lot of money. For some of you, that's nothing. But have you ever just had for you, a lot of money in your hand or a lo- something great in your possession. I'll never forget one time um, I-, I went and bought a car and I had to take the down payment. And so I actually, I don't remember why I got cash instead of a cashier's check, but they gave me like $6,000 in cash and I walked out of the bank with $6,000 in my hand. And I thought, wow, I got a lot of money right here. I'm rich. I could make a run for it, right? Uh, that's, I mean, seriously, 
to most of us, that's not a huge deal. It was going towards a car, but, but man, I'm going to be honest with you. When I got that money in my hand, I looked at it, and I counted it a few times, and I thought, man, I got a lot of money in my hand. You know how many cheeseburgers this could buy me? You know how many Tootsie Rolls this could buy me? I mean, I, we tend to do that. I just want to say thank you for, for pastor appreciation. Um, on, on Thursday night, we had our, our, sta- our pastor appreciation party, and, and we did our gift card draft that you guys have given gift cards to us for pastor appreciation. Thank you so much. After that draft, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm just being honest with you. I had those gift cards in my hand, and I kept thinking, nice, nice, awesome, yes. And I'm sitting there thinking like, Look what I have. We can get that way, can't we? Do you have something in your life, some possession, or have you ever had something that you had in your hands and you just thought, this is mine. This is great. One of the jokes on staff, um, I I really like to go to Buffalo Wild Wings, and I have accrued quite a few um, of their their loyalty points at at Buffalo Wild Wings. And so for a long time, we joked about we would go there and we would say, I could eat for a month there for free because I have all these points. But you know what I never did? For the longest time, I wouldn't spend them because I liked having them. They were mine. Do you view your possessions like that? I'm just being really honest with you. Sometimes I get caught in that and I can view things as mine. People that see God as a taker are people that view their possessions as theirs. But I believe that God wants us to understand that God is a giver. Let's look at Mark chapter 10, verses 17 to 22. Here is a story in Scripture that I believe perfectly illustrates somebody who sees God as a taker. This will give you a feeling of what this is all about. It says this, And, he was, as, he, and he, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to, and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go. Sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Look at verse 22. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. So what we see in this story is we see a rich young man. He's got lots of possessions. He's got lots of money. And he comes to Jesus and he asks a question. This doesn't seem that terrible to us, does it? He's asking, what do I have to do? That's a a pretty good question, right? But this rich young man comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? What do I have to do to get into the kingdom? I want to talk about this a little bit. You can talk about this together a little bit. Number one. How does this man view Jesus? Go ahead, take just a second and talk to the person around you. How does this man view Jesus? Go ahead. No, seriously, go ahead. No, for real, go ahead. It's cool. You can talk.
Okay, now I'm going to interrupt you. Um, I believe that this man views Jesus as kind of a gatekeeper or, or you know, the keeper of heaven. And, and he views Jesus as somebody or he views God as somebody that he has to earn his way to get into heaven. Now, let me ask you a second question. How does he view his possessions? Go ahead, quickly, because I'm going to interrupt you. He views his possessions as his. And so what we see is this young rich man come to Jesus and he's trying to make a deal here. He's saying, what do I have to give? And I believe he had good intentions, but he says, what do I have to give to get into heaven? What do I have to do? But, but what we see is that he views his possessions as his, and when Jesus says, give everything, what does he do? He walks away disheartened because he had great possessions. He couldn't do it. He couldn't, you're asking too much, Jesus. I can't do it. I can't give you all this. I got $6,000. You can't possibly want all 6,000 of my dollars. No way. These are mine. And he walks away because the truth is, this man's treasure is in his possessions. And when Jesus asks for his treasure, he says, I can't do it. And he walks away disheartened. This is huge. He walks away disheartened. He walks away knowing that he's missing out on something huge. I believe that if we view God as taker, we will end up disheartened. We will view our possessions and our things as our own, and we will view God as somebody that we have to make happy so that we can get to heaven. Let's look at the second thing. Let's look at God as giver. What does it mean to view God as giver? I believe this is a huge question for us today because I believe not only is it the key to us being selfless and generous, but this is the key to us being Christ-like, is understanding that God is the giver of all things. So let's look at another story. This is John chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Don't forget that right there. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and she wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Let's just, what happened here? Mary came to Jesus and she didn't say, Jesus, what do I have to give you to make you happy? What do I have to give you to, to get eternal life? What do I have to give you to get to the kingdom? She comes and she pours expensive perfume on Jesus' feet. When you, I was studying into this, and it said that this, this perfume was about a year's worth of wages that she poured out on Jesus' feet. Can you imagine taking a year's worth of your wages and pouring it out on somebody's feet? And the disciples that are there are kind of shocked. And one of the disciples, Judas, says, 
whoa, hold on, that should have been given somewhere else. That's too expensive. What are you doing? And Jesus says, man, this is love. This is generosity. I'm paraphrasing there. That's not exactly what Jesus said. But that's Jesus was honored and thrilled with the gift that Mary had given. So let's ask these two questions again really quick. we got to be quick. Number one, how did Mary view Jesus? Go. Seriously, go. <laughs> All right, and then just follow that up with the question of how did Mary view the, the perfume that she had, the, the possessions that she had? Go. The truth is, she viewed Jesus as giver. She viewed Jesus as giver. And she viewed her possessions, this perfume, as a way, as a way to honor God. What a beautiful story. Have you ever seen someone give just a gift that just blew you away, that you just couldn't believe that they gave this gift? Have you ever experienced that? That's what we're seeing in, in this scripture why did Mary give this gift? Why did Mary give this great gift? Why would she pour out a year's worth of wages? It doesn't tell us that Mary's rich. It tells us that the young man was rich. It doesn't tell us Mary was rich. And she pours out a year's worth of wages at Jesus' feet. Why would she do that? Well, if you look in the chapter before, if you look in that first verse there, it's because Lazarus, her brother, had just recently been raised from the dead by Jesus. She understood that everything she had came from God and that Jesus wasn't there to take from her. Jesus was giver of life. This is huge. How do we see God? How do we see Jesus? It means everything when it comes to our generosity and our selflessness. The difference between the two, the rich young man viewed God as taker. And somebody that he had to please in order to get what he wanted. And Mary viewed God as the giver of life and just wanted to give everything she could to bless and worship. Do you see the difference there? How do we view God? How do we view our possessions? For the man, his riches were found in his possessions. For Mary... They were found in God. So what do we learn from this? This teaches us that, generos that, that the generosity that God is looking for has a lot more to do with our heart and a lot less to do with how much or what percentage or any of that stuff. Generosity is not about an amount of money or a percentage. Listen to me. Generosity is not about an amount of money or a percentage. Generosity is about love flowing out of our hearts for God. We will truly be generous with each other when we know who God is and what God has done for us. Generosity is not, you could give a lot of money and it may not be a generous gift. You can give a little bit of money and it can be super generous because it comes out of love. I was thinking about this. What if I went to my wife and I said, all right, wife, what do I have to do? I don't call her wife like that. I, I, call, her, I call her Megan. It's cool. <laughs> but what if I went to her and I said, okay, what do I have to do? I mean, just give me the details. Just give me the plan. What do I have to do to make you happy, all right, to make you realize that I love you and make our marriage great? Go ahead. Tell me what it is. How do you think that's going to go? That's not going to go nearly as well as a, if I go to her and I say, 
I love you. I want to give you this great gift. Man, that's, that's love, isn't it? Love isn't figuring out what I have to give. Love is wanting to give with all my heart because I love. That's what we're talking about here. Milton spoke last week and he said several times that God doesn't need our money, but that giving is about us learning what's important and what's not. That's, not, that's once again a paraphrase. I'm paraphrasing everything today. God doesn't need our money. It's not like God needs money to accomplish what God wants to accomplish, but, but giving and being generous and selfless is more about us learning to be like Christ. Listen, listen to this. This is very huge. God doesn't want a portion of your treasure. God does not want a portion of your treasure. God wants to be your treasure. Think about it. I don't care how much money you have. This is about loving God with everything you have. And you can give a lot of money, but your heart may not love God. And I believe what God, I believe if we look at Scripture over and over again, what we see is that God loves a giver who gives out of love because God is our treasure. The rich young man, his treasure was in his possessions, but Mary, her treasure was sitting right in front of her. The giver of life. How do you view God? Another scripture I came on that I just can't get out of my head. I'm going to be a mess the rest of this time. Another scripture that I can't get out of my head, it's as I was studying, I heard a sermon and they referenced the scripture and so I'm going to read it for you. Exodus 13, 11 through 14 says this, after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and gives it to you as he promised on oath to you and your ancestors, you are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb, all the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem with a lamb every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. Okay, so that's not the important part, but what that is, is that's saying, hey, when you get out of the land that you are in, when you get out of oppression, when you get to the promised land, when you get your possessions, give the first of everything to God. And then this is the part I love. This is the part that I can't shake this. In the days to come, when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Do you see what's happening here? It's saying from now on, give the first of everything you have to God. And you know what's going to happen when you give the first of everything you have? You know what's going to happen when you, when you put God first? Your kids are going to come to you, and they're going to say, hey, what's going on here? Why are you giving our possessions? Why are you giving the first? Why are, why are you being so generous? And you know what you tell them? It's because everything I have comes from God. If it wasn't for God, I would still be in slavery. I would still be a mess. Everything I have comes from God, so I gratefully give of what I have. And this is just stuck with me. I can't get it out of my head. Let me ask you a question, because this is the question I've been asking myself over and over for about three weeks. Would my kids come to me 
and ask me why I give so generously? Would my kids, would my kids come and say, Dad, why are you so crazy in love with God? What am I teaching my kids? What do they see by the way I handle my money and my possessions? Man, I want to be like Mary. I want to pour everything I have out for God. I don't want to count what I have to do. I don't want to figure out what it means to get into that. I want to give everything because it all comes from God. Would your kids ask you that question? Take money out of it. Let's just look at our lifestyle. Let's just look at our time. Let's just look at our resources. Would your kids come to you and say, why are you so crazy in love with God that you do that? Or would our kids say, you really love your stuff, don't you? Man, I want to be like Mary. I want to pour it all out for God. I'm going to bring it back and get a little less emotional now because I've got a funny story for you. I want my kids to know that everything I has come from, comes from God. But one of their teachers here at the church said that one of my kids came to him a few weeks ago. And, and, and they, they were supposed to bring their Bible. They got extra points if they brought their Bible. And, and my kid clearly had just taken a Bible from off a shelf in the church and brought it and was trying to get credit for it. <laughs> my kids aren't perfect because they're like me. <laughs> I'm not telling you which kid. But this person said, uh, this person said, hey, that's not your Bible. They said, oh, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It's mine. No, no, that's not your Bible. That clearly comes from the church. And you know what my kid said? I'm a little bit embarrassed about this. <laughs> my kid said, well, my dad owns the church. <laughs> and so this is my Bible. <laughs> is that, that's terrible. <laughs> that's terrible. I want my kids to know that everything I have comes from God, and I don't own this church. I don't even own this position of pastor. I don't own the money I have. I don't own anything. Because without God, I'm a wreck. I'm selfish. I'm nothing. I want my kids to know that God is number one in my life, and I don't own this church. This is God's church. I'm lucky, I'm blessed to be a part of what God's doing. So let me ask you this question. What has God done for you? What has God done for you? Because I think this is the heart of the issue. I think the rich young man, he, he was wealthy and he had a pretty good life and, and he looked at, at Jesus as kind of a key to get what he wanted. He didn't really understand what God had done for him. What Jesus was, think about this, Jesus, Jesus came to earth to give his life for this man. And he comes to him and he says, what do I have to give to get eternal life? What has God done for you? 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says this, but as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and in, in our love for you, 
See that you excel in this gift of grace also. He's talking about giving. This is, this is Paul writing to the church, and he's asking them to give. I think Milton talked about this last week, but, but the church has, Paul is wanting them to give towards the people of Jerusalem that are in great need. They're in oppression, and so he's coming, and he's saying this is just a piece of the letter, but he says, listen, I want you to excel not just in faith, not just in speech, not just in that stuff. I want you to excel in giving because this comes out of your heart for God. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Don't miss that. This is to prove that your love is genuine. If we give selflessly, if we give generously, if we get out, give out of love for God, it proves that our love is genuine. And then verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Jesus was rich. He was in the kingdom. He was God. He had it all. He had everything he needed. And he became poor and took on flesh and blood like you and I and took on the struggles of earth. He, he, he became poor. He gave up his riches so that we could be rich. That's pretty incredible stuff. That's what God has done for you. God's not just some novelty that we go talk about on Sunday. God's not just some good character that we should model our lives after. God loves us. And Jesus, though he was rich, became poor to the point of death on a cross so that we could become rich. How do you view God how do you view Jesus? How do you view your possessions? Man, I want to I view it like Mary. I want my kids to see that I love God so much that I will just pour anything I can out at God's feet because God has given everything for me. How do we view God? And so we understand that Jesus, Jesus gave all for us. So do we view Jesus as somebody that we have to do something for so that we can get what we want? Or do we view Jesus, do we view God as the giver of life? Do you understand that everything you have, everything you have comes from God? Your job, your money, your possessions, your family, it all comes from God. If you've ever seen a child born it has to be God. It has to be God. My children aren't my own. They're God's. God has given us so much. How do we view God? Our treasure, our true treasure should be found not in our possessions, but in God. I think too often we ask ourselves, okay, how much do I have to give to be a good Christian? How much do I have to give to get into the kingdom? How much do I have to serve? How many times do I have to be at church? What do I have to do to be a good Christian? I believe the better question is, God, how can I love you more? 
How can I pour myself out for you? How can I give you everything? Our generosity should be a reflection of God's generosity towards us. So if God has given everything, if Jesus gave his life so that I could have life, what's our response? Our response should be to gladly, generously give. We're going to close by singing a song. The band's going to come up now. And we're going to close by singing a song that I really love. I want you to listen to these words. It's called, So Will I. And I really want you to listen as they sing the song to the words that are said because it talks about what God has done for us. And it says, if you gave your life for me, I'll give my life. And so as we sing this last song, I want you to commit to be generous and selfless and to give everything you can to God. I'm not concerned about you giving a certain amount of money here or there. I'm concerned with us having a heart that loves God so much that we want to give everything. Father, Father, we come before you this morning, and this is tricky stuff. It's really tricky to not view our possessions and our things as our own. It's really tricky not to get caught up in, in the I earned this and this is mine mentality and, and what do I have to do to get there? But Father, I believe that you love us so much and we have no clue how much you love us and how, much, how far you would go for us. So Lord, reveal yourself to us. I pray that we would be in scripture and that we, we would be learning and, and just growing closer to you and that we would feel your love for us. That Lord, I pray that our response would be to say, so will I, Lord. I will give you everything I can. I want to gladly give you what I can. I want to be generous. I want to be like you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name, amen.